0: How do identify a false prophet? Actually, it's going to be Numbers 22, 23, 24. We're going to talk about Balaam. So in Numbers, we come to Numbers 22 as we go through the Word of God on Wednesday night. And I'm going to read to you from Numbers chapter 22, verse 1 through 14. You can stand with me for the reading of the Word. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab, on the side of the Jordan, across from Jericho. had not crossed over right into the Promised Land yet. Now, Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Ammonites, Israel just whooped the Ammonites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites uh, at that time. And then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him saying, look, look, A people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee, In their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Mount Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, he sent to me saying, Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Balaam, one of the most confusing characters in the Bible. What do you think about him? Let's pray. Father, open up our hearts and minds to your word tonight. I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal to us, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, the truth here that we can take it, we can implement it into our lives in a time of tremendous deception that surrounds us, Lord God, that comes at us every day from so many different directions, even in the churches. Lord God, I pray that you would give us discernment, teach us the lessons of Balaam and Balaam's era. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen. So just as you go through the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, over and over again, you're seeing passages that tell us. Of false prophets, false teachers, false brothers, false Christs, jeremiah twenty three sixteen This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. So in Jeremiah's situation here, Jeremiah is prophesying that the Babylonians are going to come, they're going to destroy Jerusalem, they're going to level the temple right and the false prophets are saying no 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 it's going to be peace 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 and they're filling the people you know what they're filling the people with i don't know if you've ever heard this term hopium they're filling them with hopium with a false hope and notice the visions are from their own minds in jeremiah chapter 14:14 14, 14, and the lord said to me the prophets are prophesying lies in my name I have not sent them or appointed them or spoke to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and delusions of their own minds. Again, coming out of their own minds. Uh, in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now that, that's giving us a condition. This is a condition that is conducive, okay, for false prophets to thrive in. And notice what the condition is. It's, it's like the, the soil. This is a soil that is conducive to grow weeds. And the soil, the hearts of the people, they do not want to hear the truth. Okay, they do not want to hear the truth. They want to hear what they want to hear. And because they do not want to hear the truth, again, they are totally prone and essentially totally open to the teachings of false prophets and false teachers. You know, something that I'm not surprised by, I mean, there are so many false Christs. You know, we've, we've, we've taken you through, like every nation has a, a major false Christ and a, mayor, a major following. You know, Sung Sun Young Moon, Sun Moon who's, who's dead, uh, Sun Yen Moon had a following of millions of people. And it it didn't surprise me that he was proclaiming to be Jesus. What was surprising me is how many people who were so naive would actually follow him and and just devote their lives to him. So that's more of the surprise on my part than, you know, Jesus predicted there were going to be a bunch of false Christs and false prophets who would, you know, be around in the last days. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, here's a test Uh, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John's writing this in the uh, first century. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every prophet that is proclaiming that Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, Christ, the Messiah, Christ is the Greek Right, Word for Messiah. And notice that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. It's talking about the incarnation. That God it was incarnate in Jesus Christ. So it's telling us that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. And when somebody comes along and denies that Jesus is God. In fact, I had, I had a sister come up to me a couple of weeks ago here at the church. And again, man, you've got to get grounded in the word. She's been around here for a while. She comes up to me and she says, is Jesus God? Somebody was telling me that Jesus isn't God. I'm like, where have you been? You know, just, I mean, you sit here every week. Where have you been? I had a, a pastor coming to the church. And he and his wife signed up for membership. And when they were going through membership, the wife, when I was teaching about the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Three unique personas, persons. But they are God, right? God in essence, Right, God in nature. She looked across the table at me and she said, "Jesus is God." This is a pastor's wife. There's then we start to see, you know, again the deception and the ignorance. So the passage goes on and says, "But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now already is in the world." Second um, Peter chapter two verses one through three. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into uh, disrepute. Uh, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been uh, sleeping. Notice in their greed, what are they doing? They're, they're basically, they're picking the pockets of the, the, the church. They're picking the pockets of their followers. They're motivated out of greed. Matthew 24, 23-25 uh, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, number one sign that Jesus said, Matthew 24, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Sermon on the Mount of Olives, when he's giving this sermon, again, the number one sign. Right, so there's wars, and there's rumors of wars, and there's going to be, you know, seismos, earthquakes, and hurricanes, and tornadoes, all these different things, persecution. The number one thing is deception. False prophets, false Christs, as you go through the, you know, the passage, And then he's referring to the Antichrist, ultimately. So, just coming back to Balaam. In 2 Peter chapter 2, 15 through 16, and we get a lot of insight as you take in the entire context of scripture about Balaam, it says, they are forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his inequity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. So, I look at Balaam, and I tell you, When you read Numbers 22 through 24, and I want to encourage you to read it this next few days, read it slowly, look at it. I believe Balaam is a wicked prophet, okay? I believe Balaam is a false prophet. And what's what's interesting about it, he continuously prophesied truth. You look at the four prophecies that God gave to him. And they were all true. They were all about the blessing on Israel. So he was a man. He was essentially speaking the words that God gave to him. As we look at the passage, though, we're going to see his heart was not right with God. And eventually, he showed his true colors. So that's the picture. So first thing, false prophets are... Known by, I'm going to say false prophets are known not by what they say, but by what they do. So just again, it's so easy to be sucked in with a false prophet because they could be saying everything right. But it's, it's not merely what they say, it's what they do. So Numbers chapter 23, 12, this is Balaam. He says, I must be careful to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth. So the Israelites, right, they're camped. They're camped on the, you know, the other side of the Jordan River. They've defeated the Amorites. The Moabites, the Midianites are terrified. Balak calls upon this prophet Balaam. Apparently Balaam, in fact, Balaam's name means uh, he is a stranger. He's not from the land of the Ammonites. He's not from the land of, of Moab. He is from another from another land, but they call on him. Uh, he's a foreigner, a diviner, a soothsayer who apparently has considerable power. And I believe that God is speaking to him, and I believe that God spoke to different people through history that were not, you know, Israelites. That He revealed certain, you know, truths to uh, to people. I think Balaam is 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 one of those people. So. Balak calls upon the services of Balaam, and he asks him basically to put this curse on Israel. And four times, four times, uh, Balaam comes back and says to Balak, God says I can't do it. And Balak gets infuriated. Now, again, pulling from some scripture, Joshua mentions Balaam in his final address in Joshua chapter 24, verses 8 through 10. And he says here, And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel, and sent him called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. Now watch, watch what the Lord says here. But I would not listen to Balaam, therefore he continued to bless you, so I delivered you out of his hand. Apparently, Balaam, the money was on the table, and had not God prevented him from cursing Israel, it seems like he would have. So God put the words, the prophetic words of blessing into his mouth, and had God not done that, it's likely that Balaam would have put that curse on Israel. So I want, to, I want to show you something here again. Prophets are not only you know, always known by their words, but they are always known by their actions. In Matthew chapter seven: 15 through 19, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a, a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you will know them. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What, what is the fruit Jesus is talking about here? What is it? Look at the context. Right there, I put it in red. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What is What is what? What is the fruit? The fruit is obedience. The fruit is, is not confession. The fruit is not words. The fruit is doing the will of God. The fruit is obeying God. A person can be preaching the word. And I'll tell you something, this, this is a dangerous place to be. I do want to assure you of that. We have some men here. Studying for the ministry. This is a, a very dangerous place to be. It is dangerous. Because it is so easy to just preach the word. When your life could be totally wrong. And you could be living disobeying God. Continually. Most people don't see it. So it's a very dangerous place. So you don't think of My experience, I've been a Christian for 40 years, preachers who would preach the Word. I mean, anointed men of God, expositors of the Word of God. And then who were living lives that were total contradictions to their preaching and teaching of the Word. Having sex with prostitutes one guy was having sex with his male masseuse stealing misappropriation of funds adultery and again you see you'll know them by their fruits they were not doing the will of god you're naive because you want to believe that your pastor is holy you don't want to believe that that your pastor could do something, you know, a, 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 you know an abomination, you know, to God. Now I'm not here saying I've, 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 you know, I haven't committed adultery, haven't stolen from the church. But I think the church, the church, church people are naive. They want to believe so strongly, right, in the, in the righteousness and holiness of their of their pastor, of their evangelist. And I'll tell you, I am guilty of being naive. Because some of the men I just shared with you about, I mean, I had a hard time believing when I got the news of what they did. So false prophets, okay, false teachers, they're again, it's not always their words, it's their obedience. Are they doing the will of God? I want to give you a, I want to give you a couple of examples here. When I know I'm protective of the church, I'll give you reasons why I'm protective of the church and what comes in here and what you know goes out of here, who I allow to come up here into the pulpit to share what we promote. Guy comes into the church, charismatic guy, very charismatic guy. And he comes in where church is really small, just a hand, you know handful of people, and he is like, Pastor, we're going to build a mega church. We're going to build a huge church. There are thousands and thousands. Of, and man, I'm like, you know, I'm a young preacher. I'm like, you know, I'm getting sucked into this guy. And he knows the word and he quotes the word of God. Comes to our house, has dinner. And then he gets involved with this woman in the church. I start to see, you know, you start to see things and you start to see that a lot of this, again, is all, all it is is just talk. There's no life there. Guy is basically broke. Hooks up to a single mom. Single mom who has a disabled daughter. And he takes her for everything she had. And then disappeared. Never saw him again. I know his name. Early days of the church, this guy comes in here again. Big talker. Big, big talker. Big guy. 300 pound guy. And he's a big talker. And he wants to become a part of the church. He wants to become an associate pastor here. And he's going to build a church. He's going to build a church down in central Jersey. and He's already got a thousand people who are waiting to come into the church. Big talker. Con man. And uh, he cons two families out of money. And one of, one of the, the couples, they didn't have any money. The other, the other family had money. But they came to me, and he basically conned them out of about $4,000. And um, they said, Could you help us? And uh, it was interesting because they followed him. They kind of followed him out of the church. And then they came back, and they said to me, He swindles us out of $4,000. So um, I said to him, I'll do what I can to get your money back. I got their money back. I went to him, and I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And he gave me back the $4,000 And um, in the name of Jesus. The other family never got the money back. And, um, but th- just, again, people, by what they say, I'll tell you, man, it's not what you say. It's, it's, it's the obedience and the life they're living. Balaam, again, all his words are right. You start, you know, you read it, and I've had people say to me, Balaam was a prophet of God. Well, I'll show you a few more things. So here, false prophets compromise, right? They are not always known by what they say, but they're always known by what they do, and false prophets compromise. Numbers chapter 20 through 13, and God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. He seems right, so right. right? Doesn't he seem so right? I'm not going back. I'm not going to Balak. I'm doing, I'm doing what God has told me to do. Now, you go on here. Verse 20 and 21, chapter 22. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, but you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. So God here, right? And you want to see right here one of the most confusing passages in the Bible. God says go, right? So Balaam, he's going to go. Now watch, watch, verse twenty-two. This is just the next verse. Now if you know what, if you're into the word and you're, you're, you've been studying along here, maybe you got a little ahead. This has to confuse you. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him, and he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. God is angry that he went. What did, it, what did it say verse in 20, verse 20 and uh, 21? God said to him, "Go! Is God a schizophrenic?" <laughs> is God double-minded? Suddenly he says one thing and then said, "Why do you think what do you think is going on here?" And this is where, you know, digging... Deeply, when I say I'm going to talk about it on Sunday, you need to dig into the word. I want you to notice something here. In verse 20, and God came to Balaam at night and he said to him, If the men come to call you, notice the word if they didn't call. He went. You know, you know what he, he he went, right? Because I believe, oh, you know, it's hard to know our hearts, right? I think we we admit that, man the flesh, our sin, it's hard to know your own heart. Only God knows our hearts. Only, only, only the Lord truly knows our motives and our desires. And I mean, we, 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 should be, we should be in His light, we should be walking with Him, we should be in prayer, and we should be asking Him to reveal, reveal, you know, my heart, my motives. But only God truly knows our hearts. And Again, when you look at this passage, I believe God knew Balaam's heart, and God discerned that his motives were not pure. And you know what? He was going, and you're going to see because he wanted this. He wanted reward. He wanted to be paid. So again, that's I believe what is going on. What is going on there? Now you know how the you know the story goes. He's riding along with the donkey. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord, and uh, the donkey tries to save, right Balaam. He sees the angels, so the angel's got his sword. he's going to kill Balaam. And what he does is he's trying to avoid him until he presses his leg up against a, a, you know, a wall, hurts his leg, and he starts beating the donkey. And then God, he infuses this donkey with the words, and the donkey speaks. And says to him, I've always treated you well, why are you beating? By the way, let me me say this to you. People will come and say, do you believe that Balaam's donkey talked? I have no problem believing. Let me just tell you this. If you believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, let me tell you something. Everything else in between is just easy to believe. I tell people that all the time. You know, look, I came from, I was an atheist, an unbeliever. When I came to believe that God was the creator of all, and I came to believe that Jesus Christ, right, victoriously conquered death by being raised from the dead, giving proof and evidence to everything he said and everything he is, I don't have any problem believing in anything else in the Bible. Nothing else. So, the talking donkey, the rebuke of, of, of God. All right, number three. False prophets appear 90-10. What is 90-10? 90% truth, 10% deception. You study the cults, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Christian science. 90% truth, 90% in total agreement with us, right? Bible believers, total agreement. 10%. Sometimes it might be less, it could be 5%. But I look, I say it's like 90-10. So let me, let me show you again the 90%. This is um, Balaam. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him, and there he was standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab, and he took up this oracle, right? Here's this prophecy. And said, Balaam the king of Moab has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me, and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? And from the top of the rocks I see, and from the hills I behold him, there a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count of the dust of Jacob, or number one fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let me and my end be like his. Then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I look you to curse. I took you to curse my enemies and look you have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? Isn't he sound so righteous, so good? I mean he sound I mean he sound, he sounds like Isaiah. He sounds like Jeremiah. He sounds like Daniel. I'm gonna tell you something, I just want to show you something that's that's missing here. The Moabites are pagans, they're idol worshipers, they're sacrificing their children to Baal, to Molech. They're they're doing things that are absolute abominations to God. He doesn't say a word about their sin. Not a word. You know, when you read the prophets, you read the 12 minor prophets, you read, you know, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel, they proclaimed, right, the glory of God. They proclaimed the salvation of God, the grace of God, but they also proclaimed and exposed the sins of the people and called them to repentance. You know, just going through, the, going through the prophets, I'm in Jeremiah right now. Jeremiah is continuously calling on Israel to repent from their adulteries, from their idolatry, from their immorality, from giving just lip service to God, and not truly giving God their hearts. So he's preaching really a, a very compromised gospel here. Half-truth. Numbers 31, verse 14 through 16. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, with the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, who had come from the battle. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the council of Balaam, the council of Balaam, to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. See, he's giving this prophecy, this oracle, sounding so righteous, and he was giving Balaam counsel. Want to defeat Israel? Listen, God's not going to curse them. God just keeps giving me words of blessing. Want to to defeat Israel? Send your women to them to seduce them, to have sexual relations with them, and then let the women draw them, men of Israel, into idolatry. So you see, this, you see this again repeated in the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, verse 12. It says, but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam. What is the doctrine of Balaam? Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality to entice the Israelite man through sexual immorality and the worship of idols. But again, right? you look at the four oracles, he sounds like he is the, he is the preacher of righteousness. <laughs> Where behind the scenes, he's totally opposed to God. In the fourth point, False prophets pursue personal gain above God's glory. Numbers 24-25. So Balaam rose and departed and returned to his own place. Balak also went his way. You know what they say you have to read between the lines? Here's a passage where you have to read between the lines. Between Numbers chapter 24-25 and Numbers 25, verses 1 through 4. So, again, Balaam has spoken these four oracles, these four prophecies concerning Israel. Again, blessings, not curses. And right here, right, Balak is done with Balaam. And Balaam rose and departed and returned to his place. Watch just something that happens. In verses 1 through 4 of chapter 25, now Israel remained in the Acacia grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to sacrifice to their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. What happened between chapter 24 and chapter 25? I believe this is where, again, Balaam says to Balak, God's not going to curse them. God just keeps giving me those words of blessing. So here's what you need to do. Send your women to seduce the men of Israel to commit adultery, and then let the women draw the men into the worship of your false gods. So, again, it's explained to us, but if you, if you don't know what the other passage of Scripture, and what's the best interpreter of Scripture? It's not me. It's Scripture. Now, if you don't know the other passage, actually, a very easy way to do this, you just get a concordance and you pull up Balaam, and all of a sudden you start seeing all these other passages. about eight of them outside of Numbers chapter 22-24 that talk about Balaam. So here's, a, here's an, uh, an example. Going back, Numbers 31 verse 16, look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Why did he do that? What was, what was Balaam's motive? Right, hearing from God. God is, speaking. God is speaking to him in a way that, I'll tell you, he's never spoken to me that way. speaks to me through his word. I mean, God is speaking to him giving him an audible message. I've never heard God audibly. I've heard God in my heart, in my spirit. Why, why would he counsel Balak to have the women I think a lot of prostitutes, shrine prostitutes, to seduce the men of Israel and draw them, again, into the worship of this God, Baal of Peor. When I, when I, again, Scripture gives us a, a good... right, And you, you see it in 20, chapter twenty two, twenty three, 23, and 24. But look at 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16. They are forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. The wages of unrighteousness, right? Balak's offering him gold and silver, lots of lots and lots of money. And he's he's motivated, right? He's motivated to do this and oppose God because of money. Jude 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. The three great dangers of what I do, the temptations... Money, money, fame—you really just, you know—it's so easy. You start, you start to believe, right? People, people, and we, we're real careful with this here. I'm saying to you know, we people clap, Finish a sermon, clap, clap to the Lord. Don't worship me, man. You know, it's just—it's it, 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 Peter when Cornelius bowed down to him. He said, "Get up, man. I'm a man just like you, John." When the, he bowed down before the angel twice in the Book of the Revelation, the angel said, "Get up! I'm just a servant of the Lord. We're just beggars. Beggars on the way. We're nobody. He's everything. But fame, and it's, it's easy to get caught up. It's easy to get caught up in this. That people, oh, you know, Pastor Frank, Pastor Frank, you know, Pastor Frank. You know, pe- the word, money, fame, lust." Lust. I'm old now. I'm bald. When I was younger, I was quite handsome. (laughs) Just, why don't I do one on ones with women? I don't do one on ones with women in my office. Protect myself, keep a distance, right? Somebody, woman, wants to come and see me personally. You come and see me with my wife, come and see me with my assistant, Diane. But I don't do. I don't do just protecting protecting myself. And I've done that. I've done that throughout the years, because I know that those three those three temptations. One other passage here: Second Corinthians chapter two, verse seventeen. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity. But as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Just. Peddling the word of, uh, 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 of God. What does it mean when you peddle something? You're selling it. Selling the word of God for money. You know, it just... So I get these preachers, they want to come to the church. They, they, they have a price. I'm like, get out of here. They said, I'm, I'm not having you come. They, like, I'm not going to come to your church. I'm not going to do anything unless you pay me my fee. Now, we've taken love offerings for people but this isn't a business. This, is, this isn't a business. And as soon as, soon as I see that they, they put a dollar sign, I don't want them. I don't want them here. Don't want them here. You know, we, we, we seek to give God's word away for free because that's what Jesus and the apostles did and not to, to peddle it for, for money. That's a, that's a, I'll tell you something. That to me is a sign... That this person ain't right. And they, they, could, they could be saying the right thing. But their life ain't right when they are charging to minister the gospel, whether to believers or unbelievers. Some, there's something wrong there. Something, something wrong. I Look, Pastor Lou, me, the staff that we have, we appreciate your commitment of supporting the work. You know, you've seen us here. We don't, you know, just, I don't even know the last time we even mentioned money to the congregation. Right? I think, uh, I don't even, I, I can't even remember the last time. All through COVID, we never, we never asked for money. And God provided more money than we could ever have expected. We were taking in more money during COVID than we were before. And that was amazing. We, we appreciate you're supporting us. I appreciate it. I, you know, I, I, I served here for three years building the church. I never took a penny those first three years. The church didn't have the money to be able to support me. But the, the idea that you would charge peddling the, the, the word of God, that, that tells me there's something wrong with that person. Now, their, their words could be absolutely pure, but I'll tell you there's something wrong with their heart. And these people get rich doing this stuff. I mean, it's not—it's not just a, oh, they, you know, they live in this nice little you know middle class home. And these people get rich. These people become—they they become millionaires, multimillionaires, peddling the gospel. It's it, let me tell you, it can be a heck of a business. Well, Philippians chapter 1, 16 through eighteen, the former preach Christ from selfish ambition. I think that's again—that is what you have in Balaam. So let's, let me go to the last, my last point. I'll go through this quick. False prophets receive God's discipline. And God, God deals at first really gently with, with Balaam. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not perish the people, for they are blessed. And this is, just, this is just God giving, I mean, it's a command. You know, speak what I have given you to speak, and go where I have called you to go. And I think God knows. God knows his heart. God knows that his His motives are not pure. But he puts this out, and I, I think it's, it is it, it is a gentle command that God gives. Now watch, Numbers 22-33. Uh, the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, this is the angel of the Lord, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. Now, I mean, he doesn't kill him. But this is now... No longer a command. This is a rebuke. He's saying, "You, you, worthy of uh, of death." And it's a very, it's it's a stern rebuke. It's a stern warning that God gives to him. No, he doesn't heed it. Looks like he does, right? From from the uh, initial, like the appearance, it looks like he's he's obeying God. He doesn't. What happens to Balaam? Balaam gets killed by the Israelites. Joshua chapter 13, The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, among those who were killed by them. He ends up dead. Which is ultimately, whether this false prophet lives out his life, ultimately he's going to end up in hell if he doesn't repent or she doesn't repent or anybody. So, Just key application here. You know, Just you've heard the the terms don't judge a book by its cover. That's really what you have in the story of Balaam. Because the the cover looks so good. But the inside of the book is filled with impure motives, filled with greed, right? Filled with selfishness. And, um, I mean, ultimately, just... Leads him into destruction because he didn't. He didn't deal with it. But I think that, that that is something. Be careful falling for people who may sound so right, when the truth could be that their lives could be so wrong. And um, that's what just we need to. We need to be careful because their fruit, the fruit, the true fruit of the Christian life is doing the will of the Father. That's something you've got to discover, something you've got to explore, something you've got to receive, and something you've got to implement into your life. Doing the will. So I could sound so right up here in this pulpit, and my life could be so wrong. And I think that's something, like, that's, that's, this is a very fearful place to be. Amen?